Welcome to another podcast from A Passion for Life. My name is Craig Dyer and today I'm greatly looking forward to being in conversation with Felix Aremo. He was on the leadership team of Brixton Local Church and is now part of the training facility of the London City Mission. He's been married to Efwa for nearly six years and together they rejoice in being the parents of three-year-old Micah. Welcome, Felix. It's a joy to have you with us today. Thank you for making the time to be with us. And I gather that you're just back from a few days of holiday this morning and you're right in at the deep end. How was your your little break? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for for having me. It's really good to to be able to join you um, today. And um, yeah, it was a nice little break, actually. Um, So spent, yeah, because of lockdown easing, we're able to see um, some family members over the weekend. And, And yesterday we spent a good chunk of time in the in the park with Micah. Um, oh, he was just brilliant. yeah running around and um, pleased to be to be able to see people and 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 hang exactly. around with other little kids. So yeah, he had yeah, a time. beginning to feel a bit more uh, a bit more human again, just with the opportunities that are arising for us now. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's it's great to have you with us uh, to today, Felix. Now, your mum and dad uh, moved to London from Nigeria in the in mm-hmm. the eighties. Yeah. And you were born and and grew up in London. What, what what was that like? What were these early days like for you? Yeah, it was it was great. I think um, yeah, I'm really grateful to my parents. Um, they yeah, they were really loving and they were definitely uh, definitely Christian. Um, I, I grew up going to a um, a Nigerian Pentecostal church, and wow. I think the Bible is the first book I remember reading as a child. Wow. Um, so yeah, really, really grateful for, for my parents and their example of, um, genuine devotion towards God. And, and, um, I mean, life as, you know, the, the child of immigrants, um, from Nigeria in London, um, full of joys, definitely, but it was definitely hard, um, at times. And, um, I remember probably my, my, my earliest awareness of God was as the one who provided for us and who protected us. So um, probably a very um, Nigerian thing to do, Nigerian Christian thing to do. But, you know, before leaving the house, we would pray for journey mercies. And on on returning, we would, you know, we'd give thanks to God for for bringing us home safely and, you know, praying before meals, all those sorts of things. And yeah, those things were definitely very formative for me. What an an awesome, awesome upbringing, you know, for the, for your first memories of holding a book in your hand to be the Bible, the Word of God, and for you to have, even as a as a wee boy, an understanding that this God is a loving Father. He is a provider. He's a protector. It doesn't get any better than that. That is that is r- really amazing. So yours was very much a God fearing home, and is that really how you came to know the Lord? Did you just grow up into the faith and then trust Him, or was there something more decisive happened? Yeah, so that was definitely um, foundational. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, yeah, my story is probably just a, <laughs> uh, an illustration of um, the the blindness and wickedness of the human heart. Um, because until I was fifteen, my I guess my posture towards God was still one of um, you know He's the He's the holy judge, yeah. um, and I'm. It wasn't even an awareness of my sinfulness. It was more a desire to prove myself and to you know, demonstrate, to, to have something to show him to say, um, God, accept me because of all of these, you know, because of these wonderful things about me or because of who I am. 
Um, and and so I ha- even though I was familiar with words like sin and salvation and grace, I mean, we, we spoke about grace all the time in some ways, you know, by mm-hmm. God's grace, I will, you know, do this and that and the other. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, the the aspect of God's grace that relates to salvation, that you know, I can do nothing to earn my salvation, but you know, it's only through him. I, yeah, I didn't begin to um, understand yeah. that until I was um, 15, yeah, kind of in my teenage years, my mid-teens. Um, and that was through, um, so a Christian teacher at school invited me to um, an evangelistic uh, summer holiday, um, which was being run um, for school kids. And yeah, it was on you know on these um, activity holidays that I began to understand the gospel of grace. Um, wow. And yeah, so that was significant. But even then, I <laughs> I, was, I was very very slow. Um, one of the leaders from from this um, activity holiday um, actually came to visit me at school. So he you know he met with me week you know week by week over a pizza. Um, we read the first half of the book of Romans. (laughs) We read the whole of Galatians. Um, and even then I was saying things like, oh yeah, I understand now. So we were saved by grace and we, we continue by, by works. (laughs) 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 And, and yeah, so that, that kind of, um, exposes the legalism of my own heart. And yeah, it took a long time, um, for God to undo that. And it probably is, um, my default, um, yeah, temptation when I'm you know when I'm drifting from the gospel, I'll be slipping into legalism even now. So, yeah, yeah. You and me both. I yeah, I think that is our default setting, isn't it? Self justification mm. and um, it's just always such a relief though to come back to the gospel, isn't it? Because yes. there's really nothing to justify ourselves. That's it's mm. amazing to hear that story. Mm. Mm. Um, and you know, Felix, there's I don't know that there has been an episode so far on this podcast, but that we haven't heard of the impact of a godly teacher in the school environment, Mm. uh, praying for pupils, sharing the gospel with them. And and let's take a moment to say, if if you're a teacher in a school and you love the Lord and you care for those in your care and you are seeking to be a light to them, we thank God for that Mm, awesome impact. And, and we want to encourage you and, and we want church leaders to realize that is an awesome mission field. Mm. Um, and it's so thrilling to hear that. So, mm. Felix, you were a believer from your mid-teens. Was that, was that tough at school and in the community? Um, yeah, I think in some ways it was, in some ways it wasn't. Um, yeah. I think at that time I still... Um, I guess, defined what it meant for me to be a Christian in terms of probably more in terms of what I didn't do. Sure. Um, so I didn't sleep, I didn't sleep around. I didn't um, get drunk with my friends. Um, ra- yeah. And, and I think as I look back and I've said this to, to many people actually, that um, one of my regrets or, you know, if, if I'm speaking to, to younger um, believers, particularly those who are still at school, I'd love to say that, Actually, the the thing that marks out followers of Jesus is our love, um, and we see that in in terms of what Jesus says. You know, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So, how we relate to other believers, um, but then also um, in terms of the the fruit of the spirit, it's you know, it's love, joy, peace, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I'd you know I'd love to have been someone who um, really came alongside people who were um, yeah marginalised in the school environment, those who were um, you know most likely to be bullied or you know didn't have many friends, weren't well liked, and it wasn't necessarily yeah it wasn't really that I was actively involved in making their experience of school terrible, um, but I, I definitely wasn't speaking up for them. Um, but you know, kind of minding my own business. And I think that's a, um, yeah, there's a, it's very easy to be somewhat passive or detached, um, from people as a Christian. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, (laughs) um, an awareness of that deficiency in the past probably, um, yeah, kind of shapes the way I seek to live out my faith now. Yeah. Now, did you, as you think about that, Felix, did you have a conscience about that at the time or is that something more as you look back on your conscience of there being a bit of a a blind spot there? Yeah, I think as I look back, um, I think for the longest time um, I was more concerned about um, right belief than about right behaviour. So yeah. being, um, yeah, so you know, kind of, crossing the T's and, and dotting the I's in terms of doctrine. Yeah. Um, whereas New Testament seems to be very concerned. Well, it is very concerned, not just with, um, you, know, you know, what it means to, to be a Christian, yeah. but also um, in terms of like what, you know, having right beliefs about God, but also in terms of how we, we live out those beliefs on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. yeah. Or- orthodoxy and orthopraxy hand mm-hmm. in hand and, you're right. We we don't. I don't think we focus enough on the on the latter, mm-hmm. um, and they go so beautifully together. That's exactly. the whole point of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. They're connected. They 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 shouldn't yeah. be separated. It should be That's impossible right. to separate them. The um, one is meant to lead to the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. So you you left school and you went to Durham to mm-hmm. study mechanical engineering. Yes, indeed. And got stuck into <laughs> life in the in the local church up there as a young student. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact of that of that season upon you? Yeah, so yeah, my time at uni was um very formative in, in many ways. Um so um for the first time I was um exposed to um kind of sequential expository preaching. Wow. Um which was yeah, I was just amazed to see. I mean, um, the church that I grew up in was was certainly biblical, um, yes. but the but it was, um, I guess, it was more systematic. It was you know uh, a topic which would then be you know different scriptures drawn out to to illustrate yes. or to um, make the argument. Whereas this was you know line by line. So what I could see where the preacher was getting um, you know their points from, I could see it in the text, and that was that was amazing. Um, and then at the end of my first year, I was taught how to to do that for myself. Um, so given tools to to really dig into the scriptures, um, and uh, you know, for the first time, came to understand that the unity of the Bible is a whole story um, that you know, centered on the Lord Jesus, um, you know, beginning in eternity past, going um, on into eternity future, and 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 the fact that we yeah we have a, a significant role to play within that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, yeah, that was, it was, it was a really, um, uh, important foundational timing. And I think God's used it, um, in my life. I think, yeah. So one of the things that, um, all of us were, consen- were, were encouraged to consider, um, while at uni was, 
yeah how how best to to use our lives um mm. in the in the service of the lord and and yeah so that was you know even as i went into the world of work um as an engineer um it was always on the back of my mind thinking yeah how, you know what would be um the best way for me to serve the lord jesus with my life that's remarkable and and great to hear how without you having to go to a class about the importance of the Bible or the power of the Word of God, you just experienced it as you as it was being unleashed, as mm-hmm. it was being unpacked in your life and, mm-hmm. and then got the training to do that for yourself and for others. So, so significant mm-hmm. in student days. Um, and then you went to Newcastle. Was that, was that for work that you stayed in the Northeast? Yeah, so <laughs> my initial plan... Uh, yeah, definitely a difference between my plan and God's plan. My my plan was um, to to come back south, probably to go back to London, um, but I didn't get a job in London. Um, I got a job in Newcastle, um, so I worked in um, the energy sector um, as a steam turbine design engineer wow. uh, for a couple of years, which was which was great. And, and Newcastle was was brilliant. Um, yeah, um, I'll always have a great love for Geordies and Macams yeah. actually, but. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm grateful for the nine years that I spent in the northeast, um, and yeah, and you felt, got involved in, in church ministry there as well. I did, yeah. So that wasn't again. It wasn't my plan, but um, yeah. my the church that I was attending. So it wasn't. It was you know, it was a small um, parish church um, towards the east end. It wasn't um, like a student church. It wasn't <laughs> um, uh, a strategic church or anything like that. But um, it was led by a, a guy called Ken Mulder, yeah. um, who's who's now retired, very recently retired. And um, yes, yeah, so I got involved there and I was just you know, happy kind of being an engineer and, and attending this church and, and getting to know and love the people there. Um, but then we, our church needed someone um, to join the staff team. So we, um, the, the person who was the, the ministry assistant was um stepping down and so we needed someone to to um take his place and wow. <laughs> initially i just thought you know um well, you know i love this church i'd love to serve at this church i'll probably do that you know do this for a couple of years and then i'll go back to engineering um and yeah i mean within weeks i, I knew i i you know i loved doing gospel ministry and i wanted to continue and the only question was you know did did Ken think I should continue <laughs> oh. <laughs> or, 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 you know, would he turn to me and say, ah, oh, Felix, you're, um, you're a lovely brother, but, um, I think you should be an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us just, just as I hear you speak about that, it's evident that you did have a love for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was the basis of that? I mean, what was it you were seeing and hearing and experiencing among the Lord's people there? in Newcastle that, that created that love. It's obviously the Holy Spirit working you mm. and in them, but is there anything in particular you would, you remember that, that made that a loving experience for you? Yeah. I, um, the, the church, um, St. Oswald's, um, church in, in Walkergate. Um, I think in many ways, as I, yeah, as I look back, it was the ideal place to learn ministry um because as i served it always felt like they they wanted me to do well wow. they weren't critiquing me there wasn't a i mean obviously they would you know encourage me and, and and maybe correct me but 
there wasn't that you know as I you know when I was <laughs> fumbling my way through trying to preach a sermon um they weren't trying to pick holes they weren't trying to look at mm, did he um get his you know all his theology yeah. right um they you know they were eager to to learn and grow and benefit from the things I was teaching um really? and yeah so they yeah they were just an amazingly encouraging and, and loving group of people they welcomed me into their homes and into their lives um i had bible studies with 70 and 80 year olds um as a wow. as a, you know in my 20s and <laughs> um it was on the one hand it was <laughs> um not amusing but um as i look back at you know slightly comical to to think of you know week by week you know which which body yeah. parts are failing um this week yeah you because know, that's you know, that's the conversation at the beginning um, of, of the bible study before we started and yeah uh, but even that like god god really used that but I, I i do think it's it's what you said it's the holy spirit really um yeah there was a there's a guy called don and we used to when i think this is when i was on staff um we used to go out for lunch and um so we'd go to a local cafe in in newcastle um and and have lunch together and you could tell amongst the staff they were trying to figure out hold up here like what's going on is um yeah is is this young guy the older guy's carer or you know <laughs> like <laughs> this doesn't make sense you've got you know a young um black guy from from london and you've got you know uh, an old um an older uh geordie um yeah. like yeah but 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 that's the thing about the gospel where it brings Absolutely. people together who otherwise have no business with each other um so yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for that. I'm I'm also super grateful for um for Ken. I think he's just an example of faithful ministry, plodding along day by day, week by week, trusting God to do um trusting God to do his work um you know by his word through his spirit Amazing. um to transform people and you know he and he stuck around in in that same parish for um yeah 20 or 30 years um and over that time you know he just by being faithful people who were very opposed when he arrived (laughs) ended up being his most um you know vocal cheerleaders and um encouragers yeah definitely that's a beautiful portrait of that faithful patient um convictional biblical ministry that Mm. trusts the lord to do the work through time Mm. sowing the seed and then seeing an abundant harvest. That's a, a marvellous picture. Yeah. Now now that we're talking about influences, let, mm-hmm. let's stay for a moment and, and maybe just think about others that the Lord has used or is using significantly in your life. Who have been some of the influences upon you? Uh, you've mentioned Ken, you've mentioned Don, maybe for folks at a distance. Um, Mm-hmm. people you've been reading and interacting with and so on. Who would you say have been a real blessing to you in that regard? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so a couple of people who spring to mind in terms of their books, um, John Piper, um, so his you know, his emphasis on, on delighting in God um, and, yeah, just the way he um, articulates that our, uh, the thing that brings God most glory um, and the thing that brings us most joy is the same thing. There, you know, yeah. It's not a competition um, between those two things that 
what I want and what God wants. <laughs> it, you know, it's the, it's yeah. the same thing um, because he's glorious. And um, particularly his book, um, God is the Gospel, um, is really helpful mm. for just showing that actually the greatest gift that God gives us in the Gospel is himself. Sure. Um, and so you know, any articulation of the Gospel that doesn't present God as the greatest gift of the Gospel is, is, is you know, it's deficient. Um, and so you know, that, I think that's helpful when you encounter... Um, you know, um, it, that's the biggest problem with something, for example, like um, the you know a gospel that says um, it's all about prosperity in the here and now. Yeah, sure. um, that you know that would imply that God's gifts are somehow greater than He is, and you know that's that's nonsense. That's um, blasphemous. Um, and yeah, it's, but it but it also helps us if we're um, if our tendency is to a kind of doctrinal rigidity and you know emphasis on you know we must believe the right things if it's not leading to worship and delight and and joying god then again we've we've gone astray um so yeah john piper um Amazing. Uh, timothy keller um i think yeah. so he i think in ministry um so as a pastor and 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 now in my work at atlantic mission um I, I found um keller really helpful in terms of um showing how the gospel connects with um with with church culture life in general mm. um so just yeah thinking more holistically about how the gospel should affect life for us in, in the here and now and 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 also the different um cultural dynamics which we need to consider with that yeah how we articulate the gospel in ways that can be understood well by people in different communities yeah in, in yeah in all of those kind of areas i found um keller helpful Amazing. Um, and yeah, probably someone who connects the two is, um, an, an older theologian called Edmund Clowney. Um, and so he, yeah, he, he, he's written a lot about the church and he talks about how, um, if you, if you imagine at the center of life is, uh, you know, for, for us as human beings is to, um, is to, is to know God, to to delight in Him, to display His glory in the world. You know that's what it means to be human. Um, then, depending on um, you know the audience in which that's taking place, um, you know, that's how to summarize the different aspects of the Christian life. So, what I mean is, you know, when we yeah. when we uh, delight in God and and display His glory, um, and think about that in a in a God direction, um, then that's what we call worship. You know, that's that's the life of adoration and holiness. Um, when we when we think about that within you know amongst other Christians, where that's our you know that's the community that we're thinking about, then that's when we're talking about nurture, community, um, pastoral care, um, discipleship. Um, and when we think about you know delighting in and displaying God's glory amongst unbelievers, that's you know that's witness, that's evangelism. Um, you know that's um, you know that's us. Um, making Jesus known to people who don't know him. And and so, yeah, just having at the center that, you know, we are to, um, yeah, to know God, to love him, to glorify him. Um, and then think about that you know, in terms of our relationship with God, our relationship with other believers, our relationship with unbelievers. Um, yeah, th that kind of a good, that's a good summary of the Christian life. It's, it's so striking, Felix, to hear you mention these three brothers, Piper and Keller and Clowney, because... Although they're all <clears throat> they're very different, very distinct from one another, that, that in a sense there is that, isn't it that, God centeredness that that's 
common to all three in their emphasis mm-hmm. that stops evangelism being man-centered it's so easy isn't it to have an mm-hmm. evangelistic culture just because of the plight of man mm-hmm. that actually runs threadbare very quickly mm-hmm. um, and it's really helpful to hear you just point us in in, in that direction for 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 help with these guys mm-hmm. you also talked there about the implications of being able to reach out to in community to communities mm-hmm. the, the, the aim of a passion for life as you know well is to see the gospel of christ proclaimed in every community mm. um to every generation across the uk and, mm-hmm. and ireland and as, as we think about these communities um i'm i'm very struck by how carefully you think and write about issues of race and justice and and how the gospel impacts upon them and maybe i think it would be helpful to talk about some of this now mm-hmm. um just in terms of your great care that you take how might gospel churches be careless in their thinking and speaking about these kind of critical issues felix mm. yeah so i think on, on one level we all know that the gospel is for all people all of us want to affirm that and and um, proclaim that. Um, I think the the reason why this is sometimes neglected practically is probably to do with um, the efficiency of close relationships with people from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking across gender, across age, across ethnicity and culture, um, without relationships with um yeah, with you know, with actual people, um, it, it's difficult to to know or anticipate, um, yeah, how they are receiving your communication, how you know w- yeah. what the concerns they have in life, and therefore how the gospel applies to those um, those concerns. Um, so yeah, I'll, I guess I've been aware of um, you know, th- these uh, difficulties um, probably just yeah you know, as I was growing up. So. Um, as I said, I I went to a, I was part of a Nigerian Pentecostal church growing up. Um, I lived on a on a council estate, um, but I I went to a school which was which was quite you know middle class, um, still reasonably multi ethnic because of um, uh, because you know we're in South London, um, but I I was just aware of different communities. I I couldn't invite people from my school to my church um, because I didn't. I, I was aware that culturally, those you know, they're very different um, communities. I probably could invite people from my estate um, to you know, to the church I grew up in, um, but probably not all of them. <laughs> um, and so there was this kind of I was aware of this this tension. Um, and so you know, when I when I had the opportunity to um, to to help plant. Um, a church in South London. We were we were very very eager um, to plant a church that was biblically faithful um, and culturally um, engaged and accessible. Um, we were very keen not to um, allow cultural barriers to um, hinder people from um, from hearing the gospel and from being part of the community. Um, and yeah, I, I think one of the things that makes this difficult is um you know when we learn ministry sometimes we're told 
um, you know, this is the way, or if it's not the way, this is the best way um, yeah. of, of, of doing ministry, whether that's um, preaching or teaching, or you know, this is how you lead the Bible study. This is how you, um, uh, this is how you uh, do pastoral care. This is how you welcome people. This is how you do evangelism. Um, and yeah, and, and either we get the impression of, you know, this is the only way to do it, or we get the impression that, you know, this is tried and tested, um, sure to win best, best, yeah, yeah, best, best practice. Um, and what we sometimes fail to consider is how uh, many of these, um, you know, these practices are culturally conditioned, um, that, and so, yeah, sometimes it can be difficult to separate you know, the biblical principle from the cultural embodiment of that principle. And when those things become intertwined in our minds, um, then we've actually ended up elevating you know, cultural preference um, to the same level as, as Scripture, which is definitely wow. what we want to wow. do. Um, and we and, may not even be aware of doing that. Uh, yeah, we and we may, and, we, and yeah. we we may not be aware of doing that. And so, what when we do that, what happens is um, people who are willing to adapt, or yeah, who are willing and able to adapt to the culture, um, that you know that the culture of our church, then those people will be drawn, um, and and that may, might end up being multi ethnic. That may be people from different ages and stages and um, and backgrounds. Um, but we are unintentionally excluding other people who either aren't willing or aren't able to adapt culturally um, to the culture of the church. And so, yeah, it's important for us to consider, um, you know, what is essential, you know, what is the biblical principle and where can we be flexible, flexible in terms of, um, you, you know, what that looks like in practice. So for example, um, I, I've been to many evangelistic um, events where, um, the, you know, the, the way, it, the way it's, um, structured is, you know, around a, a, a meal or refreshments or something. Yeah. And, um, there is a, <laughs> there's a big difference. Um, and yeah, I guess there's a danger of me overstating it, overstating this, but I, th- I think there is a difference between, um, like a, a wine and cheese event, um, and, a you know, a Coke and, refreshments event you know they they sure. they feel very different they appeal to different people um and uh, you you it's not even that you need to advertise the refreshments that you're serving but a wine and cheese event is a is a very specific type of thing isn't it um sure. whereas an event where there's going to be refreshments um is is a different kind of thing in terms of you know whether you feel like it's for you or not um so that's you know it's a it's a trivial example but um just to but it's, it's helping us it's helping us to think on a very practical level about right who are we who are we actually going to engage by putting on this event mm-hmm. you know who 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 are we imagining mm-hmm. we're going to engage who is this going to appeal to and I, th- yeah. I, that's, I think that's that's helpful for us just to be not to imagine that that the thing that suits us suits everybody yeah and 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 uh, floats everybody's boat so to speak yeah Another example might be with, um, you know, when we're giving talks, when we're giving sermons, um, you know, what illustrations are we using? What stories are we telling as we seek to illustrate what we're talking about? So, um, you know, talks that r- refer to um, the rugby and the cricket um, and, you know, I don't know, holidays in 
um, skiing holidays, whatever it might be, um, even <laughs> um, sailing metaphor- metaphors. Um, I mean, they're great and, and some of them are biblical, um, but in terms of what connects to the life of most people, you know, for example, in London, um, yeah. I don't know many people who've been sailing, you, you know, um, or, you know, and, and if, yeah, if, if my sport is, my sport of choice is, is football um, rather than rugby. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. You, you, I, I don't want to belabor, belabor the point, but I think, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. It's just having that awareness, isn't it? Um, and, and I, you know, it was interesting the way you framed the beginning of your answer in terms of actually it's essential for us to know and love and be blessed by people from as wide a range uh, as we possibly can in order to know what what their their lives are like, in order mm. to know how best to love and serve them and to best be loved and served by them um, mm. and that kind of authentic relationship. So thinking, Felix, about about your time uh, in Brixton Local Church and working in that in that very diverse community, what were the kind of objections to the gospel that you encountered, the kind of defeater beliefs that made it hard to build meaningful relationships with people in the community? Yeah, thank you. That's a that's a really good question. Um, one um, incident that stays in my mind, and I talk about it often, is is when I was speaking to a guy, an older um, Caribbean guy um, in in Brixton, um, and then you know he he said to me. Um, in the course of our conversation, you know, how how dare you, um, as a black man, talk to me about Jesus? Don't you know your history? Huh. Um, and in God's kindness, we went on to have a, a good conversation. Um, but his objection to Christianity um, was due to Christian history, and he, and you know, the, the implication of what he was saying was, you know, given the history of um, of slavery, colonialism, and racism, um, yeah at the hands of either a you know, so-called Christian nation or actual Christians. Um, like, why would you hold to this religion yourself? Um, and, and why would you have, you know, how, how could you have the audacity to speak to me about, try to speak to me about Jesus? Um, and, and so, yeah, the, you know, one of the, the big objections um, to Christianity is, is the idea that Christianity is a, um, you know, is a white, Western, um, imperialistic you know, colonial religion, which you know, is designed to to oppress or to um, allow the continued oppression of of, of minority groups, um, and you know, and um, people like um, Malcolm X have been influential yeah. in, in shaping you know, how people um, in the black community speak about, or some people in the black community um, think about Christianity. Um, so he talks about you know, the turn the other cheek, um, heaven after you die philosophy of Christianity, which results in a kind of passivity in the face of injustice. Um, you know, that's a, that's a heavy critique yeah. of, of Christianity. Um, and so the answer isn't actually just, um, you know, coming with, you know, facts and figures and names and dates in terms of demonstrating that Christianity has always been a global religion. Um, I think it's to do more than that and actually apply the gospel to um yeah to, to to real life to daily life um for for people you know living in the uk mm-hmm. today so felix think thinking about those 
strong influencers, non-Christian influencers on the aspects of, of justice and race. How do you engage with them? How does the power of the gospel show itself? Yeah, um, it's important to engage on a number of different levels. So you know, one is the one I've just mentioned in, in terms of actually being armed with, um, so firstly, understanding where it's coming from. So being able to acknowledge um, the aspects of, of Christian history, which are, um, you know, which is part of our history, but not a yeah. a yeah. a true reflection of the gospel of Jesus. So being the able to say, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Frederick Douglass talks about you know, the Christianity of Christ versus the Christianity of of America at that time, um, and he yeah. and he says, you know, I love the Christianity of Christ, but I hate the you know the, the cradle plundering, women whipping, um, you know, enslaving Christianity of this land. So being able to distinguish. Um, so acknowledge, you know, you know what's wrong, what wrong has been done in the name of Christ, but also being able to uh, to point to the reality of Jesus. So yeah, so being being armed with 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 history um, and theology, scriptures, which um, you know, the, the fact that the Bible talks about us being all all of us being made in the image of God, um, yeah, showing just the the way the Bible and the gospel story. Um, correctly identifies the problem and offers a better solution um, is really powerful. So I think, yeah, the gospel is a, is a powerful um, response um, to, to this whole problem in, in being able to, you know, why do we care about issues of justice? Why is it a problem for us? Well, it's because the world that God made was, was perfect. And it's almost like we have this memory of, of paradise, which we long for, and we are discontent in this broken world. Uh, okay, so what you know, what what's gone wrong? Why is there such a thing as as racism? What you know, why is there imperialism and mistreatment of people and violence and abuse? Um, you know that that's answered through what the Bible says about sin and the way that it um, you know pervades every aspect of society because we've turned away from God. Um, and uh, you know what what hope do we have in the midst of this brokenness? Um, yeah. Well, the Lord Jesus, He. What the Lord Jesus does uniquely is he he's able to deal with the problem of sin um, and evil comprehensively, but in a way that doesn't result in victims of evil becoming evil themselves. So he's able to deal with injustly injustice in a just way um, rather than um, by in a kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, by taking the punishment on on himself, yeah, um, and and suffering um, in the place of of sinners, he he shows us and you know, the promise of his return as judge of the whole universe. That that means that we don't need to take justice into our own hands. We don't need to return um, evil with evil, but we can um, you know we can continue living in ways which are pleasing to God, whilst trusting Him to um, in that judgment on that last day. Um, and and yeah, and then what hope do we have for the future? We're, we're able to look forward to a glorious future with Him forever, where there is only going to be peace and justice um, forever. So you know, that gospel, those gospel truths, um, speak powerfully to um, you know, to, to the lives of those mm-hmm. who've experienced um, injustice and, and sorrow, um, and that's that's really important. Um, but I think uh, an, another important aspect of this, um, and I think one that has become uh, you know, I've I've seen the importance of more and more um, recently is the importance of of Christian community demonstrating the truth of this. Um, so it's all very well and good for me to speak to non Christians and to say, um, 
you know, you know despite this history, um, you know, Jesus is, um, you know, is the way, you know, the life that you desire is, is found in Christ. Um, and actually when, when, you know, when Christians live, live up to, um, you know, when we reflect Christ, then what you'll find in Christian churches is, um, love and acceptance and welcome, regardless of your background. Um, it's great for me to say this because it's true, but I also should be able to say, go to any church in the UK, in London, walk into any church and you're going to experience what I'm talking about in reality. Yes. That's what I want to be able to say. Um, yeah. and yeah, and that, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm praying for. Cause it's, it's important that people see the gospel lived out, um, Absolutely. in, yeah, in, in the lives of, of believers in our, in our communities. In that, yeah. In that authentic Christ-centered gospel community that gives the world a problem in terms of arguing with that. Cause mm. it is a glorious thing to see. Yeah. Now, um, although you're obviously giving a lot of time to researching and writing and, and training on these these vital issues, mm-hmm. uh, it's not academic. H- how does the gospel help you navigate issues of race and justice in your own family as a husband and a, and a dad to Micah? How, how does the gospel help there? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure how I would be able to <laughs> to, to navigate life without the gospel um yeah. so i'm married to, to efwa um and you know she's she's really wonderful um and yeah i'm really really grateful for yeah to god for her um and yeah just the way that he brought us together mm. um but the reality is that life for her is different um from life for me you know as a as a black woman um, living in a in a racialized society, in a society that often favors men um, above women, um, you know that's 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 really difficult. Um, and again, as a you know, as a father of um, um, you know, a black boy who will grow into a black man by God's yeah. grace, um, you know, in a world that can see him as a threat or um, you know, prejudge him or um, mistreat him. Yeah, like these are these are real pressing issues. And and in some ways, yeah, you know, I, I I wouldn't claim to have it all worked out. This is a no. a daily navigation um, of, yeah. of seeking to apply the gospel. But I, um, it makes a massive difference knowing that um, you know the Lord Jesus when he came to earth, he didn't. You know, when the Son of God came to earth, um, he didn't come as um you know a wealthy king or prince in jerusalem um yeah. he came as um the you know the son of um relatively poor parents you know his um his dad was a you know was a craftsman um they you know, they weren't able to afford the um you know the the kind of um temple sacrifice that you'd normally um have um you know when a child is born born um that you know he he was born to uh, a despised ethnic group um occupied by the romans um and you know dominated by them in many ways so you know he so many of the things that um uh people in the african diaspora um experience living in the west um i know the lord jesus can identify with um yeah. You know, 
he um, he suffered humiliation, mistreatment, despite his inherent dignity um, as a hum- as a human being, but more so as as the son of God. Um, and he was able to you know, suffer patiently and entrust himself to you know to the God who judges justly. Um, and so there's yeah, there are amazing resources in that. Um, but I'm also um, encouraged by the the witness of scripture as a whole that i you know i don't think it does i don't think it calls for um the kind of passivity um that that characterized my my early days as a as a christian um because we are called to speak up for those who are uh, to avoid you know, who are voiceless sure. and and we we aren't um uh you know we, we're not um slaves li- li- you know, living in um first century roman roman empire um like if we're in the UK, we're in a you know, parliamentary democracy. We, you know, we have a voice and um, it's our Christian duty to, to use it in ways which um, you know, serve and, and demonstrate you know, neighbor love for those who are suffering unjustly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, it's, um, yeah, there, there are tremendous resources in the gospel Um Knowing that you know, Christ is with us, and yeah, God is God is good, God is wise. That even the things that um, we wouldn't choose that come that come our way, you know, He's working in them for our good and for His glory. Mm-hmm. Um, he's bringing us safely into His eternal kingdom. Um, but there's good work to be done um, in the here and now, and, and I, I think that's something that's part of the um, evangelical um, legacy, anyway. That um, that activism that that says that you know where we see things that aren't right, whether it's um, orphans being uncared for, um, yeah. whether it's um, you know the slave trade or slavery, um, you know when we see evils um, in in society, out of love for our neighbour, you know we're gonna take a stand and, and do what we can yeah. to um, to bring relief. And um, yeah, I think you know as a as a husband as a, as a dad, as I seek to um, navigate some of these difficulties, having christian brothers and sisters who understand the challenges and who are you know seeking to encourage and um yeah be a a community yeah. of refuge um yeah that 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 is such a blessing when that happens it's very striking very helpful felix um let's pick up i'm i'm just trying to think how best to summarize You'd begun really in gospel ministry in Newcastle mm-hmm. uh, with Ken Mulder at St. Oswald's. Did you then come to Oak Hill to study or was what happened then? Yeah, so um, while I was at um, um, at St. Oswald's, um, I, was, I, was, I was really grateful for my time there, but I was also very aware that um, I, I did need to i need i did need further training um and yeah and so that that was the main reason i left when i did um it was to to move back to london and to to go to oak hill um but the um the church plant that i was involved with um was yeah i i was very intentional about seeking to be part of this church plant as you know as soon as i arrived so it was a bible study when i arrived and um in god's kindness it, it grew into a um into a small church so yeah. So you so actually these two things happened in parallel. You were at Oak Hill and you were helping with the church plant in Yeah, Brixton. that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. And these two things really were your steps into gospel work in London then. Mm-hmm. Um and and 
I, I know that you're passionate about communicating the good news of the Lord Jesus. We've heard that today, uh, but doing it in ways that are both biblically faithful, robust and, and strong and biblically faithful, but also engaging cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. And that, that gets us very close to the heart of a passion for life. Could you say a bit more about how you strike and maintain that balance between biblical faithfulness, cross-cultural engagement? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it's, the concern is is built into the nature of communication in many ways that mm. as soon as we choose to speak in a particular language, we are um, enabling some people to access what we're saying and um, prohibiting other people. You know, there's there's always that dynamic at, at play. Um, and I think when it comes to, to culture, I mean, it's one of those <laughs> nebulous words that's very difficult to, to actually define. Um, yeah. But... Um, if every so every um, every group of people will have um, stories and and symbols and language which resonates with them, um, and you know, and uh, and others which they will find difficult to to engage with, and so just you know what we desire, and this is what happens in preaching. Um, Often, you know, a, you know, a good preacher is is helping us to understand the world of, say, the Old Testament or the New Testament, um, so that when we hear the word, it resonates with us. You know, yeah, yeah, it resonates with us in the same way as it would have for them. Um, so, for example, if I'm preaching on the on the book of uh, from the book of Hebrews, and I'm trying to communicate the fact that the Lord Jesus is is even greater than the angels. <laughs> For us, yeah. we might think angels. Or I, I don't think very much about angels. I don't care about angels. Um, and so, helping you know, helping um, the, our audience understand, oh, you know, angels. They were the ones through whom um, God spoke the law. Like the like they they were incredibly strong and, and mighty. You know, one angel could kill um, hundreds of thousands of, of of a foreign army. And you know, look at all these amazing things God did through through angels. And then we say, and Jesus is better than that. Um, but we might. Um, a shortcut to doing that is, is to think of you know, who are the influential voices and messengers um, in our world today and say, you know, the Lord Jesus um, is more yeah. worthy to be listened to than any of those voices. Um, and, and so, you know, we do that in preaching and it's important that we do that in our evangelism as well. Um, because the, the, you know, the world that um, many of you know, our neighbors are living in, you know, it's not, it's not the same. Um, you know, we don't have the same, uh, points of reference as, as as they do, and and so we need to get to know them and um, and begin to use language and concepts and, and and symbols and stories which more deeply resonate with them because the gospel is the greatest story um, yeah. ever told, and um, we we don't want to in the same way as if I don't understand Mandarin, you know, you, you you telling me this <laughs> glorious story in Mandarin isn't going to help me. Um, I, I I may admire your your passion as you communicate in Mandarin, but I'm not going to benefit from it. Um, you know, it's the same thing when uh, yeah, it's recognizing that even in, I guess it's easy to see in somewhere like London. Um, there's so many different people. It's easy to see the diversity, but even in a, in a place that, that appears um, more um, homogenous, the reality is that um, people of different ages, people of different um, kind of socioeconomic statuses, they're going to have different points of reference and different things that resonate. And 
um, and, and, and therefore we need to be more skilled in, in communicating ways that, you know, that, that it's going to enable people to really grasp the, the glory of Christ and the truth of the gospel. That's very helpful, Felix. So it's, it's building a, a relational bridge, knowing mm-hmm. who it is that you're engaging with, that you're speaking to, and, and trying to bring this glorious gospel as helpful and fittingly mm. uh, over that, as it were, over that relational bridge. To yeah, it. and it, so it requires dialogue. It, it requires yeah. um, you know, us, trying, us trying to communicate and... And then asking people, what what have you just heard me say? <laughs> what do you think I've just said? Um, obviously, finding a, a more relational way to to ask that question. But um, you know, we see that in the in the scriptures, don't we? When when Paul went to Athens, um, they thought he was preaching about two deities, Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, and it's almost like Paul saying, "Okay, let me <laughs> let me start again, and let me start further yeah. back. Let me tell you about the Creator." Um, and and he kind of builds back up from there to Jesus as the one. Um, God is going to judge the world through. Um, and yeah, sometimes we need to, uh, okay, you don't understand what I'm saying when I say sin. You don't know what I mean by grace. You don't know, you know who I'm talking about when I say God. Okay, let me let me start further back and, and let me build up to um, the good news. And that requires, doesn't it, um, a desire on the part of the communicator or the, or the preacher, uh, not just to unload what I've learned and seen, mm. but to really make sure that, that I'm doing everything I can to love and serve those I'm speaking to so that they do grasp it. Yeah. And it, there's a certain humility of spirit that's required in that, isn't it? That I guess often we're content to stop short of and it's just, it's just the download. Yeah, and uh, and I think with that, it's, it's the difference between um, a teacher who describes themselves as, you know, I teach maths um, versus the person who says, I teach teenage girls. Yeah. Um like our focus as believers isn't the, um, it's going to sound a bit strange, but hopefully you understand what I mean. Um, it isn't the message that we're trying to communicate. It should be the person. Um, or it shouldn't just be the message. It should also be the person. So because we love this person, you know, we're going to demonstrate love for them in all sorts of different ways. Um, but because we're concerned about their eternity, you know, we're, we're going to want to pr- communicate the gospel um, to them um, in its fullness. Um, but that, that you know, that foundation of love will will give us the opportunity to to communicate verbally, um, but yeah, you know, people are, are often concerned about you know that, does this person love me? Um, do I trust them? You know those kind of mm. those things are are critical to to proper communication, aren't they? Um, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. When I, yeah, when I don't like someone or I don't think they like me, um, you know, their their words will hold much less weight than than if I know that they love me and they're concerned about me and absolutely yeah. yeah we can never hear that enough in terms of your um your time at Brixton local church uh looking back on that obviously formative experience for the church and and for you as as one of the the, the pastoral leadership team what mm. what were some of the key lessons that you learned from that from that season uh <laughs> Um, probably the biggest lesson is um, God is very gracious <laughs> um, that he allows Muppets like me to um, <laughs> to seek to lead his people um, yeah I, I say that in jest but I, there is a serious point gospel ministry is, yeah. is very difficult and um, it was yeah it was a real privilege to, um, to, to to serve the people that I was able to to serve for 
I think it was six years in the end. Um, and I, I, th- I think um, my experience of, of, of leading that church was one of recognizing that even as I'm trying to shepherd them, the Lord was shepherding me through mm. all sorts of different experiences. So as a shepherd, I, I never stopped being a sheep as well. Yeah. Um, and so that was, um, that was huge. Um, but I'm also aware of how, um, how busy and full pastoral life can be, the life of a, a, of a gospel minister, mm-hmm. minister. And there are so many things that's, which crowd in and, and, and um, you know, dominate our, our, our time and our thoughts and our attention. Um, and it's very easy to be so um, kind of enmeshed in the, the daily details that you, it's difficult to look up and 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 remember, you know, what is it all for, and um, and to and to think about things like, okay, mission, <laughs> um, and and to, yeah, just to have that bigger picture in mind, which then um, energizes and 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 fuels the ministry. And so, um, I I really sympathize with with church leaders who um, I spoke to to one not too long ago, who, who said during, you know, during this period of um, coronavirus and lockdowns, um, you know, he's, you know, he's been ready to, to quit several times just because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all a bit much. And, you know, um, you end up dream daydreaming about, um, I don't know, being an engineer or something. (laughs) Um, And, and I, and I fully understand that. And I would hate for a passion for life to feel like, Oh, you're asking me to do another thing. I've got no margin in my you know, in my diary already, and you want me to now think about this extra thing over here. Um, and 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 I don't think that's what we're saying. I don't think that's what we're trying to do. I think um, so. One thing that um, a guy called Leslie Newbigin um, said, um, which I, I got via um, yeah via someone else. Um, it, he talks about everything in the Christian life having a missional. Um, let me get this right. Everything has a missional um, dimension, even if it doesn't have a missional intention. Um, and so the way that I love FWR and care for Micah has a missional dimension to it in that people should see um, my marriage and, and see the way that I care for my kids um, and, and see something of the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus in the way that I relate to them uh, and be drawn to him because of that. Um, but I'm not, you know, the, the reason why I'm loving my wife and, and caring for my child isn't in order to evangelize, you know, but, but it has, it has implications. Yeah. Whereas you know, if I'm giving an evangelistic talk or I'm, I'm interacting with um, uh, an, a non-Christian friend, um, that's a, I'm, I'm being intentional in, in, in mission. Um, and so I, I think what I'm, I'm calling for and what I'd love to encourage church leaders with is to, um, is to, consider again how every aspect of church life has this missional dimension um, and recognize that you're already engaged in mission. The work of discipleship is the work of mission. The work of um, pastoral care is, it's it's very much part of it. We want people, um, the people that we're interacting with outside of the church, we want to bring them into healthy gospel communities, don't we? And so, and so everything that we're doing to cultivate that gospel community is, is vitally important. Um, 
And so to recognize that, but then also to recognize that as people who are growing in our, um, in our love for the Lord Jesus um, and are seeking to encourage each other um, in the Lord Jesus, um, the overflow from that ought to be speaking with unbelievers about Jesus as well. It, you know, it, sh- it should become more and more natural to us um, just because you know we, we, we speak about the things that we, we care about, don't we? Um, and in terms of the intention, um, it could be as simple as making a regular part of um, our times of prayer. Um, so we, we, we begin praying about it more intentionally than we did before um, and seeing what God does as a result of that. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm, uh, a long answer, but um, I'm just, I'm very aware of how busy um, church life can be. Um, and I definitely don't want to um, burden, but simply encourage um, pastors and church leaders to, to keep doing what they're doing. Felix, I can't think of a better way to summarize our conversation this morning and to draw it regrettably to a close. We do thank the Lord for you, brother, and for Efwa and Micah and for the ministry in Brixton and for your work at LCM. We know that you are uh, committed to raising up gospel workers and leaders from many and diverse different backgrounds to reach the, the many different peoples and communities who live in, in London. And we're so grateful also for your help with a passion for life. May the Lord continue richly to bless you, uh, brother, as you serve him in that very significant way. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope it's encouraged your heart again and stimulated your thinking and that you might be kind enough to join us again on this podcast from A Passion for Life. Please do check out apassionforlife.org.uk for details. Bye for now.